People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Okay, let's just get right into the Pete thing, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. So full disclosure for you guys, today's episode is in a season five episode recap, but we had spent the first 10 or so minutes talking about Pete deleting his Instagram. But we, as we were listening back to the episode, Kanye just made his post, which we'll get into. So we kind of wanted to just come on here, redo that, and now talk about this whole thing with this new context that Kanye is basically boasting about the entire situation because it's so disgusting. I can't even, I, I can't even begin. It is beyond disgusting. And not that it necessarily reframes the way we are going to discuss this because I think that even prior to Kanye's post, we had a feeling that him deleting his Instagram was a result of Kanye's antics and Kanye's fans rallying against Pete. But the confirmation and the taunting coming from Kanye in the form of an Instagram post definitely confirms what our thought was. So basically what had happened was, as you guys remember, last week, Pete joins Instagram out of the blue under the username at PMD. And for the first hour or so, people weren't sure if it was definitely him. He was verified from the beginning, but he wasn't following anyone. Nobody notable was following him. And then slowly but surely, Kim started to follow him. Tracy started to follow him. Kanye started to follow him. So it was definitely him. And he hadn't posted anything until yesterday. And keep in mind, in January of this year, it was announced that he was going to be starring in the movie The Home, directed by James DeMonico. So his first post yesterday was a video from the set of The Home, and he wrote, they're letting me add my own dialogue to The Home. Hashtag, welcome to my Instagram. Hashtag, this is the type of stuff you can be expecting. And very shortly thereafter, not only was the post deleted, but his entire Instagram was deleted. And we didn't know for a fact why that happened. And I guess technically we still don't know. But if you saw his comment section before he had deleted the account, it was just flooded with people talking about Kanye, calling him skeet. A lot of it done in a relatively joking manner, but still just overwhelming negative behavior. And I mean, we know that he was very hesitant to come back to Instagram in the first place. He views social media to be relatively toxic. And so our thought was kind of like, he went on here, he was doing it to promote the movie. He saw this hellhole that it's basically turned into and he said, fuck it, I'm out. Then today, I mean, less than an hour ago, Kanye posts a screenshot of Pete's deleted account and also a screenshot from 
BuzzFeed News that said, Pete Davidson deletes his Instagram account after his first post was flooded with Kanye West fans calling him Skeet and telling him to find God. And Kanye posts a screenshot of that and writes, ran Skeet off the gram. Tell your mother I changed your name for life. Fucking disgusting. It's really sickening to me. And the fact of the matter is, is that I think the least surprising thing in all of this was the fact that Pete had joined Instagram or rejoined Instagram rather for the purpose of promoting the movie that he was in. And the thing that's really unfortunate, aside from the fact that Kanye quote won in this circumstance because Pete is off Instagram and couldn't really handle being on, understandably so, is the fact that this is something that Pete is going to have to do or be asked to do with every movie that he's in. We know that the studios care a lot about social media and social engagement. And so it's not just the fact that Kanye's antics are messing with Pete's social presence. It goes far beyond that because his antics are now messing with his career and his livelihood. And, you know, this isn't a circumstance where Pete is always going to have Kim to hopefully fall back on to promote a movie that he's in. We could see that not being the case by the time this movie comes out. So it's really, really unfortunate that it went down like this as quickly as he came on. Completely. And it's not that I think he was necessarily contractually obligated to make an Instagram account in order to get this role. But like you said, the studios significantly prefer their talent to have a social presence because think about it. He was on for a week or so, and he already was at almost 2 million followers. So that's just natural promotion for the home that's organic that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So it's a huge issue. And if Kanye keeps this up, I mean, it's it's fucked up. I, I will say the one thing that could maybe kind of curb this slightly is he could rejoin and then just have his comment section permanently off or do something like Haley Bieber does where you can only comment if she follows you, something of that sort, which maybe would be a little bit helpful to his mental health. And so it's kind of like a an equal balance so he can appease the studios at the same time. It's not ruining kind of his sanity, but this is low of Kanye. Even for him, it's low. I agree. Even for him, it's low. And also, I guess that was my question from the start was why wouldn't he have joined with his Instagram comments off? I mean, I have to imagine that there are people that are advising him in this case and and telling him what the best way to join social media is in order to protect himself. And not just people that work for him. I mean, like John Mulaney, for example, who's one of Pete's closest friends, his Instagram comments are, are shut off. Kim obviously knows more about social media than maybe anybody, and she could have advised that. So I wonder if it was maybe wishful thinking that he wouldn't have to, or if he, I don't know, almost left them on as a way to be like, you see what I'm dealing with? I'm not doing this anymore, and then was immediately out. So I don't know, but I I hope he does rejoin in a way that is beneficial to him, both career-wise and mental health-wise, because I do think that there is a balance there. Completely. And when I think back to the Ariana days, for example, it wasn't that he was heavily promoting anything. He just seemed to kind of be enjoying it. You know, they were relatively active in one another's comment section. And it seemed like on some level, Instagram was a place of joy for him. Clearly that was no longer the case and he deleted it. But it's just unfortunate that in such a short amount of time, something that he was excited about turned in this way. And again, we can't say 100 million percent that that's the reason, but even before Kanye made that post, that was exactly what we thought. I, I remember saying on, on the last recording that we did when we were talking about this before the Kanye thing, I said to you that if I had to put to words what I envision Pete's general vibe on this whole situation is, it's one of like, fuck this. Like, you know what? This is why I'm out. 
Right. That was my thought too. And it is unfortunate just in terms of Pete's comedy, like what you were saying before with him being really active in the Pete and Ariana days. He was like, I, if I thought it wasn't disrespectful to throw up some of those old posts, I would say, let's do a post about it because those posts were so funny and so of the time. And he really did enjoy it. And that's part of being a comedian, I think. I think a lot of comedians use Instagram and social media, both captions and comments and stories to their advantage to kind of show off and express themselves in that way. And I think that had Pete joined Instagram this time around and had a better experience that Kanye didn't tarnish, he could have found that place again and he could have used it really to his advantage and grown even more because he is clearly so likable and there's so many jokes that he can make about himself in this current stage of his life and just the sheer fact that he is dating Kim. And I would have loved to see him play into that. And I think a lot of people would. And I honestly have to assume that it was something that he was maybe looking forward to too. But, you know, I really don't know if he'll ever join again. I could see this being the final straw for him and saying like, I knew this wasn't a good idea. I shouldn't have done it. And I'm just not going to attempt it again. Yeah, it's it's possible. I think I take a slightly more optimistic approach in that maybe he will rejoin in a way that serves him. So like it comments off, maybe someone else is managing it for him, kind of similar to what Selena Gomez says, where I don't even think she has Instagram on her phone. She's spoken something to that effect in interviews. But the real goal, listen, selfishly, would we love it? Of course. The real goal is for him to do something that is stable for his mental health. Like the last thing in the entire world you want for any person, celebrity or not, is Instagram to cause them so much anxiety to the point where it's taking over their mind. Like that is not what you want. And maybe he would have had that regardless, but Kanye really fucking fast-tracked the process. It's The whole thing is fucked up. I, I, I have nothing really else to say on this, but it's just an unfortunate circumstance for sure. And I know it kind of seems maybe potentially a little silly to discuss it like this in depth because it is an Instagram page and I can understand that. But I think it represents something so much bigger, which is just the disruption that Kanye manages to cause at every single corner and the fact that he just simply does not learn. And it's it's sad for everybody involved, including Kanye, to see that it go down like this. I mean, it does not in the slightest have to be like this and it just continues to be and it continues to be at the hands of Kanye and it just it sucks for everybody. And I just feel for Kim and Pete so deeply trying to navigate this part of their lives where this third party is hell bent on just disrupting that at every single turn. Well, that's the thing. It's it's really more so just about Kim's happiness. Pete just happened to be the stand-in here. It would be anyone. And I, by the way, I don't even think it necessarily has to be a romantic partner. If Kim is hanging out with someone and she's having fun, and let's say she posts photos with them and Kanye doesn't like the vibe of the photos, or he thinks that that person is a negative influence, his behavior is so controlling and so manipulative that he now feels he can take to Instagram and kind of rally the troops against that person. It, it's... It's very concerning, to be honest with you. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's not really a ton to say about it, but I actually have to question at a certain point, and I'm sure there are a lot of people doing so, at what point does Instagram get involved with Kanye's antics? Like, at what point does Instagram say, okay, your page is now creating a potentially harmful situation for another human being, and we can't allow that to continue? 
well, I don't know. It's such a larger question, right? Because you can make that same argument for so many different people and so many different pages. And that's, I, I hear you. I'm not saying that it's not a valid concern in the slightest, but I, I don't know enough about how they go through their rules and regulations and what is considered bullying or harassment in the eyes of their app. I, I don't know. I don't know either, but it is a really valid question in this case. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure we'll talk more about it on Monday's episode, but now the rest of this episode that we recorded last night, which is season five, episodes nine and 10, but really more so episode 10. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, so we are back doing an old episode recap. We're on season five, episodes nine and 10, but we're really primarily going to do episode 10, episode nine, Fun to watch, shitty to recap. Although I have to say, every single time we do this and we have the conversation after we watch the episodes of like, is there enough there to do its own episode on? And we kind of agree, no, and we should watch the next. I always feel like if I had to, I could analyze every single second of this, even if we think there's not a lot there. Julie, if we had to, we could do an entire episode just on one scene. There are so many little things to pick apart, but I think in the scheme of things, we have episode 10, so there's no reason to do episode nine. Oh, of course. I mean, listen, episode nine 
was interesting because you got to see a certain amount of jealousy between Chris and Caitlin's relationship. And to me, anytime we get to analyze that, that is fascinating to me. But that was really like the bulk of the episode. Yeah. I mean, episode nine, in case anybody isn't watching, two plot lines. The first was Chris hires this hot young trainer to come to the house and you see Caitlin getting increasingly more jealous. And then the second was Kim and Courtney just being overly competitive with one another. It all kind of sparks over a poker night and you see it go on from there, but there's nothing really to say. And I would love to devote our attention to episode 10 because there's a lot there. Okay, let's get into it. Three major things happening here. The first is Scott is genuinely looking to spend more time with Caitlin. Clearly they had a rocky past, but Mason is growing up and Scott feels it's really important, not only as kind of his father-in-law, but also as Mason's grandfather that Scott has a very close relationship with Caitlin. Second of all, Kim is flying to Dallas to meet Miles Austin from the Cowboys, who is about to be her new boyfriend. And then lastly, Courtney kind of sparks the conversation about opening up a new Dash location in New York. So a lot of moving parts here. A lot of plots for a 30-minute episode. That really is only, what, 22 minutes? Yeah, when you're done with commercials. Yeah, 22 minutes about, which is crazy. I know. I felt it was packed, action-packed. (laughs) Action-packed. Okay, so this episode was released October 2010, and it was filmed around summer 2010. And Kim and Reggie's relationship, the timeline is kind of confusing because they were so on and off, but they broke up in July of 2009 and they briefly got back together in the beginning of 2010. But at the time that they were filming this, they were fully broken up. So it starts out with Kim, Brittany Gastineau, what a fucking throwback, and Lala. They're hanging out for Lala's birthday and they're just having the conversation about Reggie. And Kim's kind of saying, no, we are really done because nobody could believe it since I think they were so on and off for so long. Right. And, you know, we had the conversation a couple of weeks ago when we were doing this where we wonder if Kim ever looks back on that relationship and thinks like, oh, maybe that was the one. I'm really curious if like Lala specifically ever looks back on that and thinks like, you know what, Kim, I think Reggie really was the one for you. Like, because the way she's talking in this is like, she couldn't even possibly picture Kim with somebody else. Right. And so after Kim swears to both of them that her and Reggie really are done, Brittany tells her that she knows someone who wants to be set up with her. That person is Miles Austin, who plays for the Dallas Cowboys. And you see Kim is both intrigued and also hesitant because obviously she's attracted to football players. She's into the whole thing. But I think she feels a little bit weird about dating someone else in the league. Yeah, definitely would. I mean, she says it. She says it would make me really uncomfortable to be at somebody else's football game. Yeah, which I I understand. I mean, one, the breakup is so fresh. But second of all, they had a pretty long history. You know, this was who I think Kim fully thought she was going to marry for a very long time there. It wasn't like this was just some fling. Right. And this is also the person she was dating on the come up. And so for her and Reggie to have begun their relationship prior to keeping up with the Kardashians even coming out, I think she probably always holds on to that or at the time really held on to that because not only was it the aspect of like, you dated me before I was really somebody, quote unquote, But it was also like you kind of stuck with me during a very crazy time in my life when I was becoming famous and I was becoming who I was. And, you know, we kind of rolled that out together. So there is a big history there that I don't even think that we really talk about often because their relationship was so much more private than any of her other relationships since then have been. 
Totally. And in this scene, kind of at the end, they're just joking and she's saying to both Brittany and Lala how all football players have sex the same way. And I know it's so stupid, like in such a minor point, but it really got me thinking that Kim used to joke and talk a lot more about sex than she does now. And I understand, of course, it's different when you're just dating someone versus when you're married to someone. You have children. Of course, your relationship with talking about that changes. But it's funny because Kim, and I know we've had this conversation before, but I view Kim to be such a sexual person. And I think she would say the same thing. I think she derives a lot of power from her sexuality. But it's almost like the way she expresses that has really changed over the years because now she doesn't really talk about sex a lot. It's just something that is so a part of her. Whereas back in the day, she would kind of joke about it. She would talk about it a little more. Whereas I don't think she would ever make a comment like that now. That's actually a really funny point because I was thinking about, as you were saying that, the story that Kim did a couple of weeks ago where she was showing off the fragrance collection, and I believe it was the Jeff Letham one. And there was one scent that she got to and she was like, this one makes me horny. And it was like such a big deal that she said it. Like I remember she was kind of laughing when she said it. And then all of the stories were like, Kim's X-rated comment in her Instagram story has people talking like that was a headline. And it is such a funny point that for somebody who's really known for being such a sexual person and exuding that sex, for her to make a comment as tiny as like this fragrance makes me horny, for it to be such a big deal is so like counterintuitive to what you think of when you think of Kim. Yeah. And I think that for me, I noticed it so much just because I found myself getting really caught off guard by her saying this in this scene, even though it wasn't even like it was such a big deal comment. Yeah. Football players probably do fucking that way. (laughs) I don't know yet, but I will know one of these days. We will find out. Um, That's hilarious, by the way. By the way, us needing to find out strictly for podcast research purposes. Yeah, I'm like, I actually am just following up on a rumor that I heard from Kim Kardashian in 2010 and would would love to find out. This is purely scientific. Literally us sending an email to the Giants. Hi, on behalf of Keeping Up With Kardashians, season five, episode 10. Just want to get some clarity. Hilarious. What were you going to say? The thing with Kim, though, is like, oh, wow, I'm really thinking about this now. Like, you know, she did joke about it probably more often or was probably a little bit more open about it, but not to the point where it's a drastic difference. I don't think she was ever fully 100% comfortable with with it in terms of talking about sex. Like, there were probably more comments made in the earlier days of the show, but it definitely wasn't like a glaring part of her personality that's now switched. It's just like a little bit of a difference that you notice. Yeah, for sure. No. I mean, compared to Courtney and Chloe, who are definitely way more open about it and always have been, I I agree with you. It's less. But I also think it's impossible to say if this is how she would be regardless or if her relationship with talking about sex was forever changed based on how violated she felt by the sex tape. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's very understandable that that would be the case, but it's also not necessarily would happen. I don't know if there's that strong of a correlation there, but it's certainly a very strong option. Yeah, certainly. So the first real scene is Caitlin and Chris at their house and Scott's calling Chris to see if Caitlin's around. She is around, but she basically says to Chris, can you make up an excuse? I don't want to talk to Scott right now. And what we see throughout this episode is that it's not that Caitlin necessarily dislikes Scott. It's just that she's having a really hard time, admittedly, moving on from the past. And as she's talking about it in her confessional, there's a 
montage playing of all of Scott's previous actions. So him punching the wall in Vegas and, you know, the, the cheating stuff with Courtney, whatever the thing is, you're seeing that Caitlin, as a father who cares deeply about Courtney and Chris and like the sanity of the family, is having a hard time moving on from that. Right. I mean, there's definitely a fair amount of stubbornness there in terms of what Caitlin was exhibiting, but th- there is a part of it that was understandable. I will say that one of my favorite parts of this episode as it progresses is hearing the way that Scott talks about Caitlin and just how highly he thinks of her. Yes. And I actually think that it wasn't that it was so important to Courtney necessarily, but I think on some level it was important to Chris to see that Scott was having that level of respect towards Caitlin, even though I don't believe that that was his motive in the slightest. Like I don't think Scott was doing it to try to impress Chris or to try to get on Chris's good side. I, I j- think it was genuine, but I think on some level, even subconsciously, Chris appreciated that. Right. Of course she did. I mean, and that was the thing with Scott during this time specifically. It feels so hard not to root for him because he does feel so genuine in a way that you weren't expecting based on his previous actions. And so for Scott, who is still a young guy and kind of figuring things out, for him to place such an importance on family and Courtney's family and having that in his own life and benefiting from it and trying to better himself, all you want to do is root for him. So you take it so personally when Caitlin is so hesitant to hang out with him or when Chris is a couple of episodes didn't want to go to Scott's birthday in Vegas. It's like when you're watching somebody work so hard to better themselves in ways that like they don't necessarily have to. All he had to do was really be there for Courtney. But the fact that he took these extra steps to try and get closer to Chris and try and get closer to Caitlin because he felt it benefited him, it was really heartwarming to watch and it was a really important part of his development. And obviously with Scott, it wasn't like everything's completely uphill from now, but I think it was these moments that even when he kind of fell off the wagon again or kind of dipped down, you were still rooting for the him because you had this in the back of your mind. Yes, of course. And also it wasn't just about benefiting him. It was that he was doing it for Mason. Right. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. 
So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so the next scene introduces us to the second plot line, which is the opening of Dash. So they're at Kim's house. It's Chris, Kim, Chloe, and Courtney. And Courtney basically presents them with the idea of opening up a Dash location in New York. And she tells them, I spoke to the business manager. He thinks it's a phenomenal idea. And they are all immediately in. Like there wasn't even a back and forth. They are all 100% in on the idea. And when you go to Chloe's confessional, she's explaining how the reason they started Dash was really just as a way to ensure that they were going to get more time together. It was after Robert passed away and they wanted something that would bond them. I don't think they necessarily, I don't even want to say expected it to expand, but I don't even think they initially had the desire for it to expand. I think it was more so a passion project and a way to just like ensure quality time. Well, you know, that's one of the funniest parts about keeping up with the Kardashians in general, which is that Chloe and Courtney only agreed to do the show because it would be good publicity for Dash. I know. How funny is that in retrospect? Absolutely hilarious. And like that just goes to show what they expected of what Keeping Up With The Kardashians would be, which is like, yeah, we'll let Kim have her show and do this thing and maybe the name Dash will get out there. And not like Dash would be this little side thing in comparison to an entire empire. Like when you break it down to that level, it like hurts my brain to think about. (laughs) Imagine how they feel. I can't even. We've spoken about this before, but you remember what it was like going to Dash Soho back in the day. It felt like the coolest thing ever. I, anytime I was there, I thought for sure that they were in the back. And I can so vividly remember walking in and pretending to look around because I wasn't going to pay $200 for a little t-shirt that said Dash. And I was just I would go up to the security guard and be like, okay, level with me. They're in the back, right? And he's like, no, they like hardly ever come in. And I was like, just let me, just let me peek around. Like I for sure thought every single time I was going to go in, my dreams were going to come true of seeing them. I know it was crazy. And the the reason that it worked, I mean, not the reason, I'm not saying that the clothes weren't good, but one of the reasons that it worked for so long was because somehow that fantasy existed in so many of our minds constantly, even though it never once came true. I went to that store so many times, never once were they there, but it was just the off chance or the hope that maybe they would be that I think honestly kept it in business. Isabel saw them in Miami. I know. I remember that. Okay. So another scene that I want to discuss is Kim, Courtney, and Chloe are at a photo shoot. And this is like a total side plot. It wasn't something that Chloe even spoke about in her confessional, but they're all in kind of similar outfits, but you see Chloe really 
getting upset and saying to Chris, you know, they put me in this, look at Kim and Courtney, they're in such sexy outfits and they had nothing for me. They had nothing for my body. And Chris almost makes a joking comment about like, hey, at least you're not in the drapes. And you see Chloe turn to her and basically say, this is not the time for joking. Like, I'm really pissed. And that was it. They didn't really get into it. But for me, I was very kind of tuned into this because exactly these are the moments that Chloe talks about now in retrospect about how like, this was the stuff that made her self-conscious. She was a very confident person. And then all of a sudden, everybody's actions around her and the way that they made her feel like she was so the other is a lot of what contributed to her kind of negative body image. Right. It was hard to watch the fact that they had nothing for her and for her to express that frustration. The part that I couldn't get over was how quickly everyone just got over it. Like there was no advocacy. There was no one saying anything on her behalf. Chris didn't step in and get upset for her. It was like, oh, this is par for the course. And that's what was upsetting to see. And like, on one hand, it's hard to watch because you're like, why isn't anybody doing anything? But then on the other, you have this understanding of like, this is still them just starting out. This is still them kind of walking on eggshells and being really honored to be included in these things. And they maybe don't have their voice yet to be able to advocate for the things they need and specifically advocate for Chloe. So like, this is such a lesson in terms of if this was an issue for Chloe, I can't even imagine what it was like for other people at this time. Right. It's like you would have expected that Chris would have been infuriated, that she would have walked right up to that creative director and said, listen, the fact that you don't have the amount of options for Chloe that you do for Courtney and Kim is simply unacceptable. And that wasn't the case. She just accepted it as the norm. And it's so fucked up, but it it is a sign of the times. I mean, it's 2010. It's 12 years ago. I think things have drastically changed. There's a lot more progress to be made. But it is, I guess, slightly promising that if this were happening today, it would have never gone down like that. Yeah, hopefully not. I am sure also that when they watch this back or if they were to ever watch this back, they would be really upset by the fact that they didn't do anything. But again, I don't think that's necessarily their fault. It is a really tough position to be in, to be starting out and feeling like you're just honored to be there and then not feeling like you have a voice. And like, that's a really hard thing to do. And not everybody is in a position to be able to do that. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you can both believe that it is an honor to be at whatever thing you're at, whether that's a photo shoot, whether that's an interview, and then also demand a certain amount of self-respect and demand a level of inclusivity. And I think that that's a very hard balance to strike when you're starting out in the industry, but it's the the thing is that it shouldn't be on the talent. It shouldn't be on Chloe to have to walk in and say, I don't feel comfortable in this. You know, I think you guys need to give me more options. Absolutely not. Whoever is designing that set, whoever is in charge of wardrobe needs to make sure that the exact same luxuries they're giving to Kim and Courtney, they're giving to her as well. And people that are far bigger in size than like than her, you know? It's like the way that this was set up, it made it as though Chloe was doing something wrong simply by existing. And that's that's the issue. Absolutely, yes. Also, just a side note, there's a conversation that happens at this photo shoot between Chris and Courtney about Scott and Courtney in therapy. And Courtney's just reiterating how successful it's been. And, and you can see this based on their relationship. It really does seem like a total 180 from last season. 
Oh, yeah. And you can also see how happy Chris is and relieved Chris is to hear Courtney talking about it and hear how Scott is really sticking with it. Because I think in Chris's mind, she never expected this to be a situation where Scott was seeing it through. I think in her mind, she was already setting him up for failure. And so for Scott to be proving her wrong by still working on himself and still working on his relationship with Courtney and really stepping up as a father, I think Chris was sitting there being like, okay, I may have I may have been a little quick to to say this was wrong and it kind of altered her thinking. Oh, it totally altered her thinking. I think she gained a level of respect for Scott, don't you? For sure. So, a few things that happen in the next few scenes. First of all, Kim and Chloe go to lunch and Kim's basically saying to her that she really feels like she's having a dilemma because she's been talking to Miles. She really does like him, but she thinks it's kind of wrong of her. Or not even wrong, but she feels uncomfortable about dating another football player. But he's in Dallas and she's considering going down just for a 24-hour trip. And I think that Chloe was so down for this. Yeah, Chloe was a huge push in terms of her spontaneity and and being able to do this. And I also think that Kim was kind of in a position where she was like, is this crazy for me to do to go to Dallas? Like, is this so wild? And as soon as she had the validation of somebody being like, no, I don't think it's crazy. It was like, okay, you know what? I actually think this is what I want to do. And now that I have somebody else saying to me like, no, you should go for it. I feel comfortable enough to do it. Because I think that if Chloe was sitting there being like, are you out of your mind? You're going to go to Dallas for this guy that you barely even know? She would have been like, oh my God, you know what? You're 100% right. This was a crazy idea. I'm, I'm not going to do it. But that little push from Chloe, I think, was what she really needed. I mean, there is nothing better than when you're in a position where you could easily be swayed and you know what you want to do and you have a friend or a sister or whoever it is that just gives you that little push. It's like they give you permission to do the thing that you think may be a little bit crazy. It is such an important role that friends play in your life. That's exactly what it is, giving you permission to do the thing that you already want to do. I know. I mean, think about how many times that's happened with us. Oh, a million. (laughs) Also, the other conversation that happens here is between Caitlin and Chris because, you know, Caitlin is still really hesitant to continue this relationship with Scott, or I shouldn't even say continue, to kind of build the relationship with Scott. And Chris basically says, we are one of the only things that Scott really has. You know, he doesn't have a very big family and he's putting in an effort. And Caitlin does it, but reluctantly, but eventually agrees to kind of spend some time with Scott. And honestly, I think Caitlin is surprised at how much fun she was having. Yeah, I mean, she definitely was. And I think Caitlin also had this moment of being surprised by the work that Scott was putting in and and the way to better himself. And this is also the point in the episode where Scott is saying in his confessionals, you know, I really admire Caitlin. Like, I don't know a lot of really good people in my life. And Caitlin is certainly one of those people. And I want to be able to look up to her and I want to model things after her. And that's the highest compliment you could give somebody. And even if it was said in a confessional versus straight to Caitlin's face, I am sure that at some point over the course of their relationship, the kind things that Scott said about Caitlin got back to her and it probably made the biggest difference in their relationship. Again, even through the ups and downs, I think Chris and Caitlin were both able to hold on to that deep down when Scott's at his best, we know how he really feels about us. Yes. And I have to imagine that that feels good. Oh, absolutely. So, Okay, just to tie up the Scott Caitlin plotline, they end up having this day together. And I think 
Caitlin absolutely loves it. And then later on, towards the end of the episode, they're all hanging out at Kim's house and Scott comes over with a tailor and has a suit custom made for Caitlin. And you know something? Caitlin was really happy about this. Like you could see, not only did she take a lot of pride in this, but I also think she was really touched at the effort that Scott put in. I think so too. And what a classy, kind gesture. Yeah. And I love when Caitlin's in her confessional. She's like, listen, say what you want about Scott, but the guy dresses well. That is true. I know. I could do a whole episode, I swear to God, an entire episode on the evolution of Scott's fashion. The fact that he went from the most formal suits at every single occasion to the brand Talentless, which like the entire mission statement is one of just elevated athleisure basically is really, really something to talk about. I think the fact that I find Scott a million times more attractive in streetwear and a beard than I did clean cut in a suit taught me more about myself than I ever knew. That was your awakening. It really was. Like I think that I I learned a lot from Scott's evolution in terms of my own taste in men. (laughs) I know you did. (laughs) 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Okay. So anyone who knows me and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Okay, so 
Kim and Chloe are at Kim's house and she's packing for Dallas. And I'm sorry, watching Kim be nervous and be giddy is like a drug to me. Because you, it's the most humanizing thing in the entire world. Right. Like when she comes back, because you don't get to see when she's actually in Dallas, she's talking to Courtney about it. And you see her like genuinely talking about her nerves when she was about to kiss him and how it ended up being so good, but she didn't really know going in. And it's like, you, Kim Kardashian, were nervous to kiss someone? Like, that's a foreign concept to me. Do you think she was nervous to kiss Pete? Oh my God. Like, yeah. Does that ever go away? I don't think it does because I don't think that it's a measure of a person's confidence. I I just think that those nerves like are directly related to just feeling butterflies, no? Yeah. I mean, I think so. But I, I guess when you think about certain things in terms of Kim Kardashian versus yourself, like it no longer exists as a measure of confidence. It's more like, I, I guess the humanization thing. It's like, you're otherworldly. How would you get nervous kissing a guy? It's not about confidence. It's just like, you're you. Well, I mean, it's so different than like the nerves associated with, let's say her speaking at a giant conference or her going on David Letterman. Those are the things where I think that the nerves could really subside. And that I could very much see an argument for like, this is what she does for a living and she's gotten so used to it and it's her career. So she puts that work mode on and she's in that. And so she's maybe a little nervous, but nothing really, you know, she's gotten used to it. Whereas you're never really used to love. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's so different to me. It's like you're using a different part of your brain almost. Yeah, it is. Especially when you're coming out of a relationship and you're coming out of a marriage specifically to be able to put yourself back out there again and navigate that world. It must be very anxiety producing, even if you're Kim Kardashian. Totally. And the way that the episode basically ends is that you see Courtney starting to get really nervous because she's happy for Kim, of course, but she feels like, oh God, if she starts dating this guy, she's going to be in Dallas every other weekend. She's never going to have any time to devote to the new Dash store. She knows that Chloe is about to go to Europe because Lamar is playing basketball for Team USA. And I mean, this was like peak Courtney dramatics, but what was so interesting is that in this episode, Courtney is the one that appears to have like the quote, best work ethic. And she's the one that feels like Kim and Chloe aren't taking this seriously. Whereas this was so specifically a season five problem because as the seasons progress, that's their issue with her consistently. Everything about Courtney ends up being this very funny role reversal. Like in terms of the show, we were like, God, Courtney gives us nothing. And then we watch the show back and we're like, wow, She gave us so much. She deserved her break. And the same thing with Dash and working. But then you watch the old episodes and you're like, this motherfucker carried Dash on her back for all these years. Let her have a break. Right. And then to turn it into the most recent terms, you see the 26 second trailer that drops. And the thing that everybody is the most excited for undoubtedly is her situation with Travis. So it's like everything, everything comes in cycles. Everything comes in cycles. You're so right. The thing with Corny that I have to respect is that unless she's happy about it, unless she's happy, she doesn't want to show it. And I can't say I blame her for that. No, I can't say I blame her either. I mean, I imagine that it would be slightly frustrating to be around, but I don't disagree with the principle. 
No, I, I mean, listen, and that's Courtney. I cannot wait for her to have her moment this season because so much of this is going to revolve around her and her relationship with Travis and this renewed love and interest in Courtney. And you know what? I think she deserves that. And I know there was a long stretch of time where a lot of people, maybe even including you and I, would be like, we're kind of over this. Like, we don't care about Courtney's plot points. And now it's all I care about. And so I am incredibly happy for her to have her moment. I am so happy for her. I can't even tell you. When I saw Chris getting so emotional, I was like, this is the content we need. And you know what's funny? That's exactly how I feel about Chloe at this point in the show in season five, because she's on top of the world here. Like, I am like, yes, you get yours. You are so successful. You're doing everything. You are married to Lamar, who is currently at this point going to play for Team USA in the Olympics. Like, Chloe is deservingly so on top of the world here. And the level of excitement that I felt for her at this time is very similar to how I feel for Courtney. And I will be even more excited when Chloe gets that resurgence again, too. And not that we ever, ever lost interest in Chloe. I'm just excited for her to have hers again. Oh my God, more than anything. I'm excited for the day when Chloe's biggest moment of the season isn't one that is her being put through a source of trauma. When the biggest straw and the thing that draws in the most eyes is something that is just so happy for her. That is what she deserves. You know what we didn't talk about with the trailer? Mm. Tristan being there at the engagement because they had already broken up at that point and we had speculated about that and we had seen different things circulating saying Chloe and Tristan were both at Courtney's engagement, but we knew for a fact that they were broken up at the time and the trailer 100% confirmed that he was there. I have no concept of that timing-wise though. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know when any of that happened in, in relation to one another. It was definitely pre- Tristan's third baby, but 100% post the breakup. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I would love to know what's happening with them like right now, current day, because I just saw before we started recording E! News post, I didn't, I didn't look it up, but that I guess the, the baby name of his most recent child has been revealed. And it just made me think like, what's happening with them at the moment? I'm so curious. I know. Anything else you would like to mention? I think that's it. Next episode we do for this is going to be the season finale of, of season five. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. <laughs> okay. Well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we will be back next week. Let's talk about baby making for a second because... It's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is 
almost you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find free to fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.